Welcome to True Crime Daily. Even though the stories you'll hear are short, they are very much intended for an adult audience. The stories you'll hear cover some very serious subject matter, and they contain content that will be alarming for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The university acknowledges and deeply regrets that it did not handle Lauren's case as it should have, and that at the time, its employees failed to fully understand and respond appropriately to Lauren's situation. As a result, we have failed Lauren and her family. If these employees had more complete training and protocols to guide their responses, the university believes they would have been better equipped to protect Lauren. That was said by the University of Utah's president, Ruth Watkins. She said it during a press conference after the university had announced a settlement of $10.5 million in a lawsuit against the school, a lawsuit bought by Lauren McCluxy's parents, Jill and Matt. It's easy for me to say, but Lauren's murder could have been avoided. Lauren was 21, she was attending the University of Utah in 2018. Her mum was a self-proclaimed helicopter mother, but doing her best to give her daughter space while she was 600 miles across the country at college. Her mother said that she was often hard on herself, constantly striving to be better at school and on the track. She excelled in both academics and athletics, but that came at a price of never really being good enough as far as she was concerned. Competing in a school of over 32,000 people and striving for academic success was brutal for the shy Lauren. She spent the majority of her time in freshman year at college with her head down, figuratively and literally. Her roommate said whenever she saw Lauren walking across campus, she would have to call her name out just to get her attention. As her time in college came to an end, with graduation in sight, the one shy girl finally came out of her shell. Her confidence exploded. She was excited by life and the thought of graduation, and she was looking forward to taking a diploma somewhere nice and warm like San Diego. But the beginning of the end came on a Saturday night in September of 2018. Lauren headed out to a new bar on Main Street, the London Bell. As the wait in the line came to an end, Lauren and her roommate Alex met Sean Rowland for the first time at the door. He was a bouncer, he was a good-looking guy in a position of authority, and he caught Lauren's attention. Lauren liked him, and she could tell that he liked her as well. She wrote her number on a napkin and told Alex if she saw him again that night, she'd give it to him. And as the night kicked on, Roland reappeared, and before she lost her nerve, she handed over the napkin. Quickly, somewhat of a relationship formed, and they had their first date at a rock climbing gym, and Lauren called her mum the next day to fill her in. Her mum worried as they do, but she did her best to trust her daughter and let her live her life. In Lauren's eyes, Roland was the perfect guy. He was grounded and mature, not like the guys she was used to around the university. He was only bouncing part-time so he could pay for his degree in computer science at the community college. Her mum worried because he was considerably older than Lauren. He was 28. And as roommates often do, Alex was woven into Lauren's life. And at first she was excited for her friend. But Alex began to notice things that gave her reason to worry. She wondered if this guy even had his own place. He spent basically every night in the dorm room. And he was 6'6", sharing Lauren's twin bed. Now, Lauren might have missed the cues to begin with, but it was obvious to Alex that Roland wanted to control her. He told her what to wear. He was constantly angry with her if she took too long to reply to a text or a call. And Lauren was often in a state of panic when he did text. She didn't want to take too long replying. The calls would often begin with an interrogation. He would almost always ask, where are you? What are you doing? And who are you with? He very quickly became jealous and possessive. One night her phone died, he was enraged. 
When the two finally spoke, he screamed at her and accused her of cheating on him. He told her that he'd been cheated on in the past and that he had severe trust issues. At the end of September, a couple of weeks had passed. Alex and Lauren had not seen much of each other, and on the 29th, the two caught up. Alex remembers that Lauren looked exhausted. Roland had gotten into the habit of having his own personal driver. Lauren would pick him up every night after his shift at the club. She looked deflated. The new confident, vibrant Lauren was gone. Alex, along with two other friends, tried to bring the situation to the attention of the housing staff at the college. They voiced their concerns with how often Roland slept in the dorms and their worry around how often he spoke about guns. Nothing was done. In the first couple of days of October, Lauren was back home with her parents for the fall break. For whatever reason, she decided to search her new boyfriend online. She found that he'd mostly lied to her. His name wasn't Sean, it was Melvin. He wasn't 28, he was actually 37. Worse even, he'd been in prison for 10 years. He was a registered sex offender. He'd only recently been released when the two first met. She returned to school a week later on October 9th. The information she found out was enough to kick her out of the trance she'd fallen into and she was determined to break up with him. She spoke to Alex on the phone and voiced her worry. She couldn't just call or text him to end it. He had her car. She'd lent it to him while she was with her parents. Alex gave her the advice of doing the breakup somewhere public. And once off the phone, Roland charged into the room screaming at her for talking about their relationship with other people. He'd been crouched down outside her door window while she was on the phone. She confronted him about the lies and he tried to claim he was framed by a girl at a party who was 17. He swore he did nothing wrong and he only pleaded guilty because there was no other option. As a part of his plea deal, he admitted to soliciting sex from a 13-year-old girl. With every demand for Roland to leave, he forced himself sexually onto Lauren. Finally, the next morning, he left. Campus security escorted Lauren to collect her car. And when it finally seemed that Lauren would be free of him, she began receiving text messages, claiming to be from his friends. They first spoke about how sad Roland was, and then they started to get more and more aggressive. Finally, she started receiving messages telling her to go and kill herself. It was obviously Roland sending the messages. He even messaged her saying that he was going to kill himself. Police were unable to do anything about this because apparently nothing criminal had been done and these weren't real threats. The real threat came soon after when he messaged her threatening to release explicit photos of her unless she paid him $1,000. In a panic, she paid him. Again, Lauren sought help from the police. Her and Alex went to the local station. It was obvious the police weren't taking it seriously. The entire conversation took place in the lobby. It was passed off with the officers saying it was either a scam or someone had hacked into Roland's phone. Over the next week, Lauren called the police trying to have someone take her case seriously. She sent them evidence of the messages and what she was able to find online about his past. She was fobbed off repeatedly. Finally, she did receive a message from police telling her to come into the station. Only it wasn't from the police. It was Roland again. She called the detective and she was told to ignore the text. On October 28th of 2018, Roland broke into Lauren's building and he waited for her. He waited for her to walk out and he followed her. She was on the phone to her mum when Roland attacked her. The last thing her mum heard was the phone drop and Lauren yelling no. He dragged her into the back seat of a car and he shot her multiple times. He left the car in the middle of the parking lot and he was picked up by a girl he'd met on a dating website. When police finally tracked him down the next day, a car pursuit broke out that ended at a church. 
Roland ran inside and barricaded the doors. He shot himself in the head. At the time of her murder, Roland was on parole. His parole officer knew nothing about the repeated contact Lauren had had been making with police about Roland. Lauren was let down time and time again by police. One of the officers who didn't see it fit to take her cries for help seriously did take the time to forward copies of the explicit photos being used to blackmail her to himself so that he could show his friends. He still has his job. 